I'm Representative Liz Olson. I'm Representative Jamie Long. And we're the co-hosts of the Minnesota Values Podcast. Every week, Liz and I bring you real stories from real Minnesotans about the values that inspire action at our state capitol and in our communities. Listen anywhere podcasts are available. Welcome to this week's episode of the Minnesota Values Podcast. This is co-host Jamie Long. And Liz Olson. So welcome back, podcast listeners. We're on week four of session, and it's going to be a busy week. We're going to have some big bills on the House floor this week, paid family and medical leave, and earn sick and safe time. So timely with what we're hearing uh, with, with middle of flu season and middle of a bunch of other things. So it's a great time to be talking about these really important bills that would help make life better for a lot of Minnesotans. So we're excited to get rolling on this first version of the podcast, which we'll be talking about Earn Sick and Safe Time. And our guest today is Davis Sensman, and we are uh, really privileged to have you with us today, a real expert on the topic and somebody who's dug in deep on some of these issues. So uh, welcome to the Minnesota Values Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about how you first got involved with Earn Sick and Safe Time, how this became a topic that you... you uh, uh, started working on? Yeah, absolutely. I am an attorney and I work mostly with small businesses, small and medium sized businesses. And I've helped a lot of them over the past kind of 10 years craft their policies for their employees. Um, and then I also serve on the advisory council for Main Street Alliance. And Mason Street Alliance um, serves on the Minneapolis Workplace Advisory Committee. And so that that group, that committee is who kind of worked on Earn Sick and Safe Time in Minneapolis. And so through that is how I came to do a, have a little niche. Great. And can you, for those who aren't familiar with Main Street Alliance, could you talk a little bit about what, what they are and what they do? Yep. Main Street Alliance is a nationwide um, organization of businesses. Um, they, they're not in every state, but they have kind of a presence in a lot of states. And they're um, progressive businesses that are kind of working together with labor and employees and governments to um, advance kind of um, legislation and policies that support everyone, kind of business owners, employees, all at the same time. And why was it so important for you to work on Earn Sick and Safe Time? Yeah, it was important because it's something that affects every person who has a job, everyone who works. Um, and it it's really a matter of um, there's a huge difference in kind of the health of people, the outcomes of when people, when employees can take time off when they're sick. Um, and it it's really um, not too controversial. Like the folks, um, a lot of employee protections feel like there's a lot of kind of arguments or things on both sides, but almost everyone, when they dig into what earned sick and safe time is, where it's just making sure that your employees can take the time off they need when they're sick so they don't help spread sickness, um, it, it makes a lot of sense for folks. And, and so that was kind of an, an important reason to work on the topic. And with your work uh, in your private practice or your work at the city, what what are some success stories you've seen for employers adopting this? Yeah, and the the interesting thing is, um, most employers who have adopted this, it's run much more smoothly than they thought it would, and they've realized that in looking at costs, which is kind of the biggest concern of any employer, um, 
there were a lot of untracked costs of not having people stay home when they were sick um, that they're now looking and seeing like, oh, when someone stays home a day or two days when they're sick um, or when their kid is sick, they're not getting other people sick and have, and they're also more productive and they're, you know, when they're here, they're able to do what they need to do and they're not constantly worrying about, there's just so many kind of costs you can't track that are saved when you offer policies like this. And one of the things that we've heard too is when we've, we have, I'm from Duluth and you're Minneapolis and that we've passed these in different parts of the state and we heard pushback from business owners, you know, let's not do a patchwork of this, let's do uniformity. And now we're at that time where we're going to be able to pass a uniform standard for the state of Minnesota, hopefully off the floor on Thursday. And so this is an issue that impacts, you know, greater Minnesota, urban areas, it doesn't matter the type of sector, what you do. Um, that it's really important throughout the state. And so could you, is there a story that comes to mind when you're thinking about who uh, the type of worker or the type of family or the type of person that really benefits from this? Yeah, I mean, many employers will have kind of a paid time off. You know, there there are employers that have that. Um, and so, but you've got people who have, you know, so a lot of those employers, this isn't going to change anything for them. As long as their policy you know, complies with what the state requirements are, they're not going to need to change a single thing, um, which I think is surprising to a lot of folks when they hear about a new policy to know that like, oh, we already comply with that. Um, but for folks who don't um, or who just haven't figured, hadn't thought of a way to do this, um, the nice thing is that these policies, um, making it statewide will have you won't have folks who are like on the borders of, you know, a city or, you know, on the edge of Duluth or have some employees in. You won't have them trying to figure out, oh, well, who gets this and who doesn't. And, you know, I spoke with a landscaper once who um, she was when Minneapolis was putting their um, policy in place. And she said, you know, this makes a ton of sense because nobody is effective when they're sick and they're coming to work to landscape when they've got a fever and they're working outside in the heat. Like I'm, I don't get a full day's work out of them, but if I have to do this and my biggest competitor who's in Bloomington doesn't have to, that puts me at a disadvantage. And I told her, sure it does. Um, which is why you should be pushing for a statewide policy right. that kind of levels the playing field for all of you. Right. And are there some small employees or employers who, you know, might want to implement something, but either face the barriers of doing it themselves or, you know, are, are worried and that probably could put them at a competitive disadvantage to some of the large employers they're working with? Absolutely. I mean, that happens where when you have, sometimes when you, when you talk to smaller employers and like when there's like two tracks for kind of implementing something or uh, they'll tell you like, well, I'm not people who I'm trying to hire aren't looking at like a track of big business and a track of small business. They're looking at jobs. And so if bigger employers have to do something, I have to do it too to attract the best people because otherwise they're just going to go work there. Um, so I think a lot of folks don't realize that smaller employers do have to try to keep up with bigger employers. And so it is helpful when kind of there is a policy and therefore there is some 
assistance for the state or the city or the county, whoever is implementing it to say, okay, here's how you do it. Here's some tools that you might need. Sometimes for an employer, a really small business, they just need someone to say like, here's the Excel chart to use to like track this many hours, this many, and then the light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, great. That's all I needed. And talk a little bit about, I mean, to pass something on this level, whether it's at the state or it's at the city level, it takes a really broad coalition of people, probably some unlikely partnerships. So what have some of those uh, organizations, people, what, what is it, who has been around the table and really working to make this a reality? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the really great thing about kind of policies like this is you do get input from everyone. And so, you know, the current makeup... Um, of the the city's kind of committee doing this. We've got labor folks. We have um, organizations that like workers' rights organizations. We've got really small businesses. You know, we have public employees. We have bigger businesses, you know, kind of offering because many of them may have already offered, you know, I, I believe all of our bigger employers in the state probably already offer something close to this. But their input is helpful because they're able to say, well, here's what we do. And, you know, here's what, here's, here's how we do it. And here's how we can be helpful, you know, letting a smaller employer know, hey, you can, you know, you don't have to worry about this or that. So you really need that coalition because if anyone is, you know, if you've got any one party that doesn't feel like they're being heard, then you're going to have kind of a problem. But with policies like this, it has been, it's really just been a matter of tweaking exactly how it's going to be implemented. Everyone at the table agrees that this is something that is important and this is something that's actually going to benefit kind of no matter what side you're sitting on. Not a lot of people who are saying, yes, we should have sick people at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's advocating for those <laughs> folks to come to work and touch all your stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we're, uh, is it- Pretty big news cycle for this to be coming up this week with uh, coronavirus um, and, you know, first death in the U.S., a lot of uh, concern nationwide. Um, How how do you think this plays into the conversation that we're having about uh, people staying home from work? Yeah, I think it's absolutely, you know, it's kind of really bringing the point home because when the CDC says, if you're sick, stay home, and you've got people who say, I can't stay home or else I won't get paid or I may lose my job or I may, um, I think it's really staring you in the face that this is kind of an issue. And you've got, you know, international um, health experts saying this will probably affect the United States much on a much bigger scale because they do not have a system where everyone has health care. Everyone can take time off when they need it. I mean, this is, this is a terrible way to demonstrate but it's it's really going to, I think, show people, like, you're going to have to do something if you want people to stay home when they're sick. Not only that, but I think, maybe I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that earn sick and safe time also if you need to take a day off to take your kid to get a vaccination. And thinking about, I was just reading, it's like, make sure you have your medications, make sure you have your vaccinations. But thinking about an hourly worker right now who can't even 
help prevent this from becoming an issue from their family by making sure their kids have the vaccinations they need or have their well child visits or but this not only is just when it becomes a crisis but it's also families being able to stay well um, to be able to take their kids to a mental health provider or to their doctor or to take care of an elderly person before it gets to a point where they need more medical intervention or whatnot yeah absolutely i mean if you can and and that's the thing about earn sick and safe um you can generally take it for a family member. And so, you know, if you don't have to send, if you don't have any other childcare option and you, you can't take a day off to stay home with your kid, you're sending them to school or to daycare or to whatever. And then, I mean, that's exactly how that's like public health 101. That's how you spread, you know, you send an infected person into close quarters with other people. Right. Yeah, we we both have young kids in daycare and get uh, you know pretty much every germ that goes through the state probably uh, <laughs> comes into our households. Um, I go to uh, daycare and they always have you know they post the uh, different uh, diseases that children in the classroom have had and you know in recent weeks there have been like five postings yeah <laughs> you know of all the kids who are staying home and be aware of those diseases. But you know uh, at least at my daycare it seems like. Folks, I mean, I, I'm in a middle to upper middle class neighborhood where folks can probably have the ability to take off work um, and take bring their kids home or have their kids with a family member. But for a lot of people don't have access to these benefits. And so the only thing they can do is send their kid sick to daycare, right? And that's, to your exactly. point, counterproductive, to say the least. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's the thing, you know, when the CDC is saying like, oh, one of the ways you can help prevent the spread of coronavirus or the flu or whatever is work from home if you but lots of jobs you can't work from home you know and and um there's there's just no so you have to be able to take the time off you have to be able to say okay i'm staying home and i'm not going to lose my job or lose a day's wages because of it right i wonder if in the the work that you did with the city group if you heard from workers who are working multiple jobs or, you know, aren't necessarily in sort of your typical, what people would think of one job where you have to stay home and how that plays out for you know, sort of the real work life that a lot of Minnesotans have. Absolutely. I mean, and you, we heard from a number of, you know, like food service workers who don't have any type of structured time off or, you know, they may be working part-time so they don't qualify for benefits. They may have two or three part-time jobs. And I mean, those are folks who know, they know when they're sick, they should not be there and they would rather not. But, you know, we had, you know, employers saying, well, if you take time off, you know, I, I'm just going to fire you because I'm just going to replace you because it's easy enough. And, you know, for those folks, we heard them say, like, I don't want to get people sick. Like, I want to stay home if I'm, you know, have a stomach flu or influenza or something. But, Sometimes I can't because I can't afford to lose my job. And I think about, so Thursday, we're going to have earned sick and safe time on the floor and paid family leave. Like what a difference it would make if we just passed these two policies at the state, like from an economic standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a just well-being standpoint. I mean, we would we would be where we should be. I mean, to say that we're behind, right? But imagine like what life would be like for a family working a couple of jobs just by passing these two policies. And I imagine you encounter families like this in the work that you do. And you've seen this and heard testimony of like what life would be like 
with these policies. Oh, yeah. It would be, I mean, it would just be life-changing for a lot of these families that for to not have to worry about that and to not have to kind of scramble your way or, you know, limp your way through any, you know, every single period of, you know, cold and flu season. I mean, it happens every year. And to just know that they could take that time off. And the to the point of paid family leave, there's you can't really find a small employer who's against it because it's just such a we're all working together in that sense. You're paying a little bit in, they get it, they understand it's just like unemployment. You know, everybody's paying a little bit and then you can allow your employee to take time off. And it goes back to the, you know, they need to compete with bigger bigger companies. But yeah, it would be life-changing for these little, you know, these these families who are just barely making it work. And the two policies work together too, yeah. right? So that if you, you know, earn sick and safe time is for those times when you get the flu and you have to stay home for a couple yeah. of days. But heaven forbid you catch something that's a little bit more serious or, you know, your your child does and you actually have to take time off, then that's where paid family medical leave could kick in. Exactly. And if you don't have both, then you have a situation where people may just be saving their earned sick and safe time if they don't have paid family leave because they know something's coming. Someone's having a surgery, something. So they're going to wait and, and use their time then. So as we're looking into Thursday, what are some things you think that you've seen in effective advocacy that maybe if someone wanted, heard this podcast on Tuesday and thought, geez, I really want to do something, what would you recommend? Uh, what are some effective advocacy tools? I think they can call their legislators and tell them, you know, this is, you know, kind of explain to them, like, I don't see how you vote against this at, at this point where we are. In, in a potential pandemic crisis. Um, so I think you call your legislators. I think, you know, you can show up and, and explain, let people know. I think it's important to let folks, let your legislators know if you are a business owner, um, that you support it as a business owner. Um, or, you know, if you are an employee who this would be, let them know, tell them that story of like, here's how this would be helpful, or here's how this didn't work. Here's how you know, I lost a day's wages or something happened. Um, but yeah, I think it's important that folks get involved and, and even, you know, businesses who had a concern in Duluth or, or Minneapolis or St. Paul, any place where we've implemented it, who can say, you know, these, it's working. Awesome. Well, uh, anything we, we should have asked you about or touched on today that we didn't I don't get think to? So. No, <laughs> we covered it all. Very cool. Well, it's going to be a good week. Another good week. Right? Absolutely. Yep. We got two important bills up this week, and I think hopefully trying to send a signal to Minnesotans about what we value and what we're for. And, um, you know, it sounds like these are things that you've seen, Davis, are, are broadly supported. Absolutely. Yep. Great. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.